You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Will Friedle. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you from the remote batter's box for the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm really pumped about tonight's show. I think that 40 episodes into this podcast, there's been a handful of shows where our audience can probably tell by the tone of my voice just how excited I am about certain guests that I get to chat with. Uh, What's cool about tonight's guest is that Although what you and I primarily know her for is her work on screen, she actually got her start in show business right here on stage in New York City. Uh, Back in the 90s, she started as Louisa in, oh, I don't know, the longest running musical of all time, a little production called The Fantastics. And in doing so, she started to launch what's been a phenomenal career in television that now spans over two decades. Uh, If you're like me, you probably first saw her in that 70s show and laughed like crazy with her portrayal of Caroline. I got to know her well because of a younger sister who loved Amanda Bynes in the TGIF classic, What I Like About You. And she's since gone on to appear as a regular in some of TV's biggest hits, like One Tree Hill, as well as starring in Nickelodeon's Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn. Uh, And most recently, she's probably become one of the most visible faces on Netflix during this quarantine, as she's currently starring in the new sitcom, The Big Show Show. I've always had a big admiration for performers who can take on so many different types of characters and more importantly, do so in an all-star caliber fashion. So uh, we're really lucky that she's joining us tonight. With that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to Home Plate, just be on the marquee. Now batting, Allison Munn. Allison, welcome to the batter's box. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really uh, honored to be here. We're honored to have you. And, you know, you look pretty relaxed right now, like you're ready to hit. I'd never know that you were homeschooling two kids right now. <laughs> Going nuts right now. It's um, it's gnarly over here, but uh, I guess we're on day. You know, I should check my calendar. It's past 90 something days of quarantine and... Um, we're going a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. Uh, last Friday, this is, we've just started summer break, if you can call it that. Um, 
on, on just a couple days ago. So, uh, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> it's still sort of the same grind every day, but, um, we're getting a lot of family time together. So I guess that's the silver lining. Overall, how are things in LA right now? Well, it's crazy right now. You know, we have this coronavirus, which is very scary still. Um, the numbers aren't getting a whole lot better. Um, and then we have a whole lot of protests happening, which is really great, but it's bringing up a lot of, you know, a lot of tension in the city. Um, so it's, it's a, a crazy time. It's really a crazy time. I keep telling my eight-year-old because he can sort of digest everything. I keep saying, you're going to look back on this period. People, people will be talking about this for the rest of your life, this period of time. So I just want you to soak it all up and, and, you know, make as many memories right now as you can. Now, I know you're originally from South Carolina. Uh, I think things are a little bit more chill down there. Deep down, are you still a Southern girl at heart where you can, you know, kind of slow things down and keep it in perspective? Or has that gone away after 20 years in LA now? You know, I think there's always going to be a, a Southern, a chill Southern vibe to me. Um, the most Southern thing about me, I feel like now is just my deep infatuation with Southern food. <laughs> it has not left. I just ate a whole thing of boiled peanuts yesterday. Um, I love my pulled pork and my hot chicken sandwiches. And I try to keep it, you know, I try to, you know, instill the Southern, the Southern, the appreciation for Southern food in, in my children as well. They love boiled peanuts. They love barbecue. Um, it's, uh, it's that, that's probably cause I've been out of the South for so long. I graduated, uh, from college, from the college of Charleston in South Carolina, and then moved away at 20 and just haven't haven't gone back. I go back occasionally to see family, but um, I've been away for a long time, but I still have definitely kept my chill Southern vibe. <laughs> it's amazing down there. And I never would have thought, you know, I had gone to visit back in the early part of the 2010s. I never would have thought that it would become like the bachelor party and bachelorette party capital of the world. Did you see that now? That's like a thing. No, I did not know that. Is it because of that? I never watched that show, but that show Southern Charm. Is it because of shows like that or... I, I didn't, I, I know for a while, Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I got married is like one of the, like the biggest destination wedding spots in the United States. And that makes a lot of sense because it's just so beautiful. Um, but I did not know it was such a big party spot. Yeah. I think it's like a recent thing that Nashville out of nowhere just became like wow. the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's good to know. And you know, I know you mentioned the college of Charleston briefly and listen, we know you're not a big baseball fan, as you oh. told me prior to the interview. But I'm the, I'm the biggest disappointment of a guest <laughs> that you're going to have as far as baseball is concerned. <laughs> I hate to say it, about like three-fourths of our guests often max out at, well, I played t-ball until I was six, so you're probably yeah. not that much different from them. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I will say my husband is on a softball league, which is pretty cool because that makes me a softball wife. Um, and don't get intimidated. We're, I'm still the same Allison that I've been. But now that you know this piece of information, you might get intimidated. My husband coaches Little League, so we're kind you're, of a big deal. You're a baseball mom now. Right, right. So <laughs> That is a big deal. I actually and love it. It's my favorite sport that my, that my kid plays. He plays all of them, but baseball is my favorite. It's such an easy game to absorb. And, you know, uh, like I was touching on earlier, you know, the College of Charleston. Mm. I wasn't sure if you were aware, but maybe the second most notable graduate from the college of Charleston, you know, behind you just happens to play center field for the Yankees. <laughs> oh, Hey, I did not know that. That's Isn't cool. It? 
His name is Brett Gardner. Yeah, I think he I think he was there in the mid 2000s, but he was born and raised South Carolina and went to he was a Charleston Cougar. And yeah, now he's a Yankee center fielder. It has been like since 2008. So pretty amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, thank you for now. I feel like I know a little more about baseball. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that you're a baseball mom, that type of thing can come in handy. Uh, I'm going to use that. I mean, I'm going to bring that up in my next uh, little league practice. Yeah, you'll get some major street cred. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I will. Yeah. I'm basically an expert now. Oh, my goodness. And, you, know, <laughs> you grew up in Columbia, you know, one of the bigger cities down there. I, you know, I know nowadays you have the Coger Center where a lot of the big Broadway shows will take their touring productions. But growing up there when you did, you know, I find your story so fascinating because I've always wondered how someone like you got so drawn to musical theater to the point that you wanted to study it at Charleston. What was like that early inspiration that got you so into musical theater? I have to tell you, thank you for asking the question in that way, because I don't know that kids growing up there these days understand how remote it felt when I was growing up because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have ways to really see these shows unless they came through town. And that was even really rare. And we didn't have a whole bunch of tours coming through town. Um, I just started doing, I just started taking dance classes and then decided I wanted to audition for local theater. And I really did grow up. That was my main thing. I grew up doing like local theater shows. I would do three or four a year and it would take up my entire year. And that was sort of, I was good at it. And it was, it's real. I think it's really great for a kid to have something that they're good at because it keeps them from getting into trouble. You know, it gives you a sense of confidence, a sense of purpose, a sense of self, and it keeps you from getting into trouble as a teenager. I was always at rehearsal. Like I couldn't really, I couldn't really get in a whole bunch of trouble, um, which was a good thing. But yeah, it's so different now with kids that live in cities like, you know, in the middle of South Carolina, they can audition for huge shows just over the internet. Like I, the, the, I was on a, I was on a show, we saw a show called Nikki, Ricky, Dicky and Don, which you mentioned in my intro. Thank you. Um, on Nickelodeon. And those kids had auditioned from all over the country. They just send in their self tapes. And if they're good enough, they get flown to Los Angeles to meet the producers. That definitely was not happening when I was a kid. It seemed like getting to be a professional actor was like getting to go to the moon. Like it just seemed completely impossible and out of reach. Now, let me ask you, because at the time, it, you know, you don't have all the access to just how cool theater is. And especially nowadays, um, you know, as a kid down South, you know, we we touched on earlier, things are a bit more chill here in New York. Things can be a bit more hostile um, <laughs> overall. Like what's, you know, what's it like being a theater kid in the South? Are you like, are you an outcast? Is it considered cool? What's uh, what's the vibe down there with that? You know, you're kind of right there in the middle. You're not, you're definitely not considered cool. Um, but because the, the theater has such a good community of people, you're, you have, you have a community. So therefore you're not an outcast. I mean, the cool people would probably think I was an outcast, but I had such a community of different types of people. That's why I loved, I think that's why I was so drawn to it. My whole childhood is because I, I could be around people that were very much not like me. Um, it just such a melting pot of, of cultures and, and different types of people and age ranges. And I just felt like I got to know so many different types of people in my theater community than I would have if I had just stuck with my school friends. Is that part of why you went to Russia as an exchange student? To, or was that to like, you know, become a master of Russian theater, which is, we know, I <laughs> made a bit of an imprint on Broadway as well. I unfortunately did not get to see any shows. Well, I did get to see, um, 
ballets when I was in Russia, but I didn't get to see any musical theater. Um, no, I was studying Russian, oddly. I was, I was taking Russian when I was in high school. Um, my grandmother was Russian, but that was kind of random. I, I just ended up taking Russian and they had, it was right during Glasnost and Perestroika, not to date myself, but um, they ended up having this really amazing exchange program and for a kid from South Carolina, where my worldview was pretty small to get on a plane and fly to Russia and live with a family there and go to school there for a while. It was pretty incredible. Um, that was, that was probably my very first experience that completely opened my, my mind. Um, and let me know how much more of a world is out there than in South Carolina. Were your parents supportive of what you were trying to do at the time? Totally. They were great. I have to really hand it to them. My mom drove me to every rehearsal. She would sit and wait for me. Um, you know, I don't think they necessarily wanted me to go into this as a career, but they could see that it was doing really good things for me as a kid, as far as gaining confidence and having a really fun hobby. And, um, they, they were very supportive. I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, obviously you decide to go on to pursue it as a degree in college at College of Charleston. Um, did you recognize that you were good? Were you, rec you know, getting the leads in the shows at your school? What was it that gave you that push? Be like, you know, damn, I think I might be able to make it. You know, I, I, I always had this little special talent of musical theater. I could sing. So I feel like that set me apart. Uh, the College of Charleston didn't have a separate musical theater program. So I was able to sort of define myself that I had this little bag of tricks. And so whenever they did a musical, I knew that I would be in the running for the leads and get some of the leads. But then we did a lot of like, you know, straight up Shakespeare. We did a lot of, you know, classics. Um, and sometimes I would get those roles and sometimes I wouldn't. My favorite though, my entire uh, college in college, I got to play Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And that was a dream come true. Um, that was, that was just so much fun. And I learned so much and I just felt so creative and on fire, you know, during that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, college was great because it, I had come from just doing dance recitals and then doing musicals. And so I got to actually dig in and, and learn a lot about, you know, just straight theater, uh, uh, Shakespeare, the classics. I got to study all that stuff in college that I don't think I would have gotten to do if I'd gone to a strict musical theater program. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've done so much different type of work. Uh, you know, you came to New York City right out of college, I guess, which was really in the heart of the mid-90s renaissance, as we like to say. And Broadway was booming as well, just as you were trying to make it as an actress. Um, what do you remember about that time, you know, those early days in New York City? <laughs> well, I have to tell you. Okay, so when I, 
when I first moved to New York, moving to New York felt like I said, like going to the moon almost. My father had randomly met some guy on a cruise. This sounds so sketchy, but it actually ended up working out. <laughs> and then they hit it off. And that man offered my dad his apartment in New York for a couple of weeks for the to help me transition into moving up there. So my dad, my dad moved me to New York. Um, we stayed. I feel like I slept on the floor of this man's apartment, this random angel's apartment. And then my dad happened to know somebody he went to high school with who I think in South Carolina owned a modeling studio who happened to know an agent in New York. It wasn't a big agent. It was just some woman who had access to the breakdowns, I think. Um, and I think my second day there, we just went by and said hi to her. Just, you know, and she was willing to see me because I think this... I don't know, this random acquaintance of my father's had said that we were in town. And I told her that I, you know, had done a lot of musical theater. I think she had me sing for her. And she was like, look, I know this is crazy and it's outside the box, but could you go right now to an audition? And of course me, I am just, you know, ready to go. Here's my big chance. It's my second day in New York, of course. So she sends me to Donna DeSetta casting. Um, I don't know if Donna DeSetta still casts. It's Bernadette Peter's sister. Um, and Donna was casting for Whistle Down the Wind by Hal, you know, Hal, the Hal Prince musical. And I went and I auditioned and she was, this is my second day in New York. She's like, you're great. This is, you're, you're, you're wonderful. I'm going to set you up for a producer session tomorrow. I was like, okay, great. Just send me the address and I'll be there. I think I brought my little book of songs that I could sing, you know? So the next day I go to the address and it's, the, it's the Phantom of the, I'm at the, the, the show, the Phantom of the Opera. Next thing you know, I'm standing on stage singing for Hal Prince, who's, this is my third day in New York. I'm singing for Hal Prince, who's sitting in the middle, like 25 rows back. Later that day, I get the job. This is for the double cover to, to cover the lead girl and then like the sassy towns girl. I, I don't, I never saw the show, so I don't know. I booked it. And I'm like, of course, I book a Broadway show. That's what happens. You move to New York and you book a Broadway show. So they were still in their DC tryouts. This was for when they moved to the production to New York. So I had, a, I think, a, a month or two to just sort of like wait until it was going to happen. But in the meantime, I was like, I was the, I would go in and do the scenes with the people that were auditioning for, for Hal Prince to play other roles once they expanded the cast. So I got a couple more times with him. And then, of course, the show did not end up going to New York. It ended at the the uh, DC production. But I just remember thinking, like, it all just kind of, like, all the cards were falling into place. <laughs> it just made sense. Of course, as soon as I get to New York, I get my Broadway show. And then it was just straight downhill from there. I don't think I had another audition for, like, a year. <laughs> so wait, did you consider yourself, like, a struggling actor at that point? Did you do, like, uh, like you know... the did you do the odd jobs? Did you waiter? Did yes. you cater? Like what, what goes? Yeah. I, I straight, I, I went straight into getting a job. Um, I was the coat check girl at um, the French culinary Institute. There was a restaurant portion of the French culinary Institute. So the students would cook for, for the, for uh, all of the patrons. And it was like a reduced price. I think it was like $35 for a five course French meal. It was a really cool setup. And I was the coach check girl and I worked my way up to being the afternoon waitress. And I was a disaster at first because I'd never eaten anywhere nicer than an Applebee's. Like Applebee's was where we went to celebrate all the good news. And that was fancy dining for us in South Carolina. So at the time, so I, <laughs> I remember my first day of waiting tables, 
I have my tie on. It had for some reason frogs all over it. <laughs> my my white button up, my black pants, and I am serving wine. I think I'm 21 at this point, and I'd never had any. I'd never really drank. I didn't. I wasn't a drinker, so I didn't know wine culture. So I'm serving this probably $75 bottle of wine, and I, I'm filling it up. And I I filled it up to like a millimeter below the rim. And I just see this, the, my manager just do this huge, he was this French man and he just did this huge intake of breath. He was so offended. The customer loved me. He thought, oh my gosh, look at this amazing pour I just got from this young child who was shaking and doesn't know what she's <laughs> doing. But I almost was fired that day. Um, I had no idea you don't fill wine all the way up to the very top of the glass. Why not? That's silly. You're wasting so much room in the glass. But uh, eventually I got to, to work my way into the to the night shifts that meant I was good. I was, it was a nighttime waiter and I did that for about a year. And oddly enough to jump to my, my audition for, uh, the fan, I got an audition for the fantastics and it was for the understudy. And at the time it was the best job in town. If you were the understudy, you just had to be within five miles of the theater. And you were also the stage, the second stage manager or something like that. You, because every show had to have like, if their stage like gets the second stage manager, but they didn't need it because it was such a so small show. So I got to, I, my duty was I had to go in once a week and cut the confetti that's thrown during the fantastics. But I was able to keep that job waiting tables. And I was getting paid more than the girl that had the role to understudy the role because I was getting paid to understudy and to be the stage manager of the fantastics. So for a while there, I was living the life. And then when the role came open, when the, the girl playing Louisa left and I had to really make this decision, I'm like, do I take a pay, a massive pay cut? Cause I have to get rid of my restaurant job and I'm no longer the stage manager, but I get to, I get to actually do the show. So I obviously <laughs> I took the role, but I thought what a cool, what a cool way to, 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 to game the system here. <laughs> I know. And I, you know, it's, that's so specific to the time because, you know, I feel right. like it's so different now and Oh yeah. Right. It's just like, they wouldn't allow that type of thing to happen no. with unions and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And the fact that I just had to be like five miles away, like it was just, it was nutso. I, I, it was a great loophole that I found myself very firmly wedged into <laughs> for a while there. That is so amazing. And you know, it, yeah. it's funny. I guess you did the Fantastics for what, a good year and a half over at Sullivan Street? Two years. I did it for two years. I did over 500 performances. I, I loved every minute of it. I still look back on that time. And that was like my New York time. Like that, it just felt, I felt so quintessential in New York. I would do my show. I'd strap on my rollerblades after the show and, and blade back up to my, my little tiny, 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 tiny apartment on 71st in Columbus. It was just a really great time. I look back on that time with so much fun. All right. You could do a lot worse than 71st street. I love it up there. Hey, I know. Okay. But so it was 71st in Columbus and I paid $500 a month. All right. You're not the apartment. No, the apartment was six feet across by 15 feet long. That was it. You couldn't sit forward on the toilet because the wall came straight down. So you had to sit sideways on the toilet and you had to step over the toilet to get into the bathtub. There was no refrigerator. I, there was a two burner stove. I mean, it was, there was nowhere to sit. It was a loft apartment. So you had to climb up for the bed and there was no sitting. So you had to sit on the radiator, but you couldn't sit in the winter months because it would be too hot. <laughs> Are you the type that yeah. like would wake up in the middle of the night, and, like smack their head on the ceiling? Yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you couldn't sit up in bed. You had to shimmy out because it was like a shelf. I loved that place. 
Oh, I still think about it sometimes. I love that place. Oh, it's so fun. To, I, you're making me miss Manhattan right now. I know. I, I had to retreat <laughs> the city like most other people right now because it's chaotic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just funny, you know, talking about the Fantastics for a second, um, you know, longest running musical of all time, it's still incredibly beloved. And I think a huge part of that is, you know, even though it was written back in the sixties, even years later, people are still streaming the cast album like crazy because between the story and the music, it just takes you back to sort of that golden era of musical theater while still being somewhat modern and it's very passionate. Um, and, you know, these days, while you have a lot of great shows come through, stuff like that is kind of few and far between. I think that's why its longevity is probably never going to be matched. When you're going through stuff, you know, a show like that and, you know, getting all kinds of adulation, all kinds of praise. Um, do you think that at that point that you want to stay on the Broadway path because, you know, you're in kind of like a juggernaut and, you know, you can make it? Or like, was the TV bug starting to creep in even back then? You know, it still sort of goes back to my South Carolina roots. I couldn't believe I had the good fortune to be even doing that job. And I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I felt I, ha I had that job and that felt like enough of a godsend. I couldn't even imagine the fact that I could possibly also audition and try out and be on television. That just didn't seem, it seemed like two separate worlds to me. But during the, during the run of the Fantastics, I would um, audition for whatever was shooting in town. And I did, I did the law, I did law and orders. I did a lot of commercials. Um, and I, ha I did a recurring on a show called Once and Again, I think it was called, or Now and Again, Once and Again. Um, and I, <laughs> I would look at my paycheck from like a couple days doing basically nothing on a TV show. And I think I was making $400 a week take home for the Fantastics. It was so small because it was off Broadway. It was such a small amount at the time. And I was beating myself up. That is a hard show. It's a hard show to sing. It's physically a hard show. There's a lot of, there's some dancing, but there's a lot of, um, there's stage fighting and there's falling. And I was always bruised up. And I remember thinking, I, this is like two months of working every single night that I just made in, in one day on this silly law and order special victims unit or, you know what I mean? And it was exhilarating. And that was a really fun world too. Cause I had never done anything like that. It was, I was completely out of my element. I felt terrible at it, which made me want to be better. Um, I don't know. Like I, I was loving my New York time, but then I just started thinking, I just want to try this. I started having some doors open and I was like, let me just, try it for a minute. I had a friend who was moving out to Los Angeles at the time. I had already done two years of the Fantastics. It was starting to wear on me, um, which is funny because I'd been in the show with people who had been in it for 10 years, 15 years straight. Like it's, it's just a, takes a different mindset. Um, so then I, you know, I, I did, I ended up moving to LA and getting very lucky with some, um, great jobs pretty much right off the bat. Um, which just kind of reaffirms that I was doing what I should be doing. But I, every day I wish that I had a chance to do musical theater again. It just, it doesn't really happen out here as much as at least for me. Um, I don't know. I still, it's still an itch that needs to be scratched at some point, I think. Cause I, 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 I think about it all the time. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, and you've talked before about, you know, how what you did with the Fantastics and, you know, performing in front of a live audience like you did, you feel like that's helped you in television because, you know, you're taping in front of a, you know, a live studio audience, you know, with most of the shows that you've done, is that give you like a big advantage when, you know, you're going in for those Hollywood screen tests and then, you know, when you're actually on set, you know, performing the characters. Definitely. You know, I, um, the, the, the beauty of doing a show, a long run of a show, like doing all of those episodes of the fan, uh, sorry, episodes, <laughs> all of those uh, performances of the fantastics. I could, I really learned how to play an audience. I learned what would work. I learned, you know, how to hit a hit a line that would get a bigger laugh. Or maybe if I if I just positioned my body differently or took a beat before I said this one final word, I learned how to sort of manipulate the audience in a way um, that really carried over. Because my first big job in Los Angeles was on that '70s show, which was already in its third season and it was doing incredibly well. So I didn't. There wasn't a lot of room for failure there. Um, and it was in front of a live audience. And I just remember thinking, I, I think my very first uh, scene, I was about to have a panic attack right before you know I was about to go on. And I just remember thinking, just focus on the audience, focus on the audience. And I, I would know when I was, when I was hitting a joke or when it was, you know, when I needed to slow down, I could just, I could, the audience, you, you can just tell, you can just feed off of them. And I was able to do that and get through that night. And I just remember thinking, thank God for my previous experience in front of audiences, because to have been thrown into that environment without having live experience, I, I don't know that I could have done that because I was already so nervous and insecure because it was a completely different medium. The one thing that is so different, though, is that when you're in theater and when I was growing up learning how to perform in front of an audience, oftentimes, or at least I was told, perform and sing as if you're performing to the, to the old ladies in the back row because you want to make it, you know, everything's big. It's musical theater. It's, splash, you know, splashy. But you have to remember when you're doing a multicam, the cameras are right here. You might have a close-up that's like this. And the audience is actually pretty far out because there's still a lot of stage left for all the cameras because there's four cameras that move around. So you really can't play to the audience. It was a whole different, there was a, a, a little bit different uh, way of, I had to learn to adjust to playing for the camera but still listening and actively working off the audience. You know, what's funny is that I had auditioned for that 70s show for a different role. It was to be, I think, Eric's lab partner. I don't know if that if there was ever an episode of Eric's lab partner. But I must have done something in that audition that got a whole bunch of laughs, but I think I might have done a little turn that was crazy. Now, mind you, I was coming, I was fresh off of doing Louisa for two years in New York. Louisa's crazy. Caroline is just a version of Louisa. So I think I went in for this, um, 
I think I went in for this audition and I was a little nuts. They wrote Caroline for me. Like what? I can't even believe it. I'm just nobody in Los Angeles. This is a hit show. They see an actress come in and they, they cast someone else because apparently this this role of Eric's lab partner was like a, just a one a one off. But they they called to tell me I didn't get that part because I knew I was up for it. I knew that was on hold for it. And they called me and said, okay, look, you didn't get it. That's the bad news. The good news is they're going to actually write you a role because they think you're super funny and they have an idea. And I just thought, okay, well, that'll never happen. That's really nice feedback that that'll never happen. But then a couple weeks later it happens and that was my first job in new york i just realized something now that we're having this conversation i need to move i feel like every time i move <laughs> i get an incredible opportunity <laughs> so maybe i need to move back to new york and uh, because you know my first I, it does make sense my first time in new york i got you know i got the broadway show but didn't go. second time i got 70 show and 70 show luckily that went i was on that for a season i was on that for season three and then i got my I got on my own show, which was a lot of fun too. I know that <laughs> it's so fun to think about that character. And I legitimately had no idea that it was uh, uh, specifically written for you. And, you know, in recent years, I know you've found a niche in, you know, family entertainment is, you know, what's it like doing that after, you know, having done theater and sitcoms for so long, is it kind of weird in some ways? Do you enjoy it overall? How do you feel about that? You know, it's funny. I, um, it's it, it, now, now it just feels very natural and I love it. But at first it felt that was a challenge for me. I was used to playing almost more character type roles, um, very intense sort of role characters. So, um, to be the matriarch of a family and to be calm and very grounded, I had to work on it because <laughs> I always wanted to turn it into something a little crazier than it needed to be for the scene. So, I've, I've actually enjoyed playing these really grounded characters lately. It's been a different challenge. So like deep down, does Allison Munn have like that kind of Carol Brady vibe that sometimes, you know, you give off on screen, which is by all means a compliment. No, I think I'm a little more manic than that. I think anyone around you would say I'm a little bit more like a less, a less insane Caroline <laughs> than a Carol Brady. I, uh, yeah. I've, I've got a little bit more crazy to me than that. So it's kind of fun to, to play a more level person because that's not me. Now, let me ask you this. Is there as much uncertainty in TV as there is in Broadway, you know, as far as whether or not a show gets picked up and whether or not your character gets to stick around? Um, yeah, I've, I've always been kind of curious about that. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like it's it's the one thing about this job that um, sends me to therapy, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> because um, I've been a part of so many shows where somebody will show up to the table read. And by the time we hit rehearsal, there is a new actor in that place. I, I don't know. We have to deal with so much rejection in general. I mean, I would say I, I get told no 50 times before I get told yes. And a lot of times getting told no for a role that you really feel like you're right for and then being told why it's a no, that can really chip away at your confidence. Um, so I feel like, um, and then once you actually have the job, keeping the job and making sure producers are happy and that you're telling the story that they want told and you're saying it in the right way, I've seen too many people be replaced. So yeah, it's, um, it's a constant refrain in my head that even after all these years, it doesn't go away. Um, it's just, it's just uncertain. You can never, you can never be a hundred percent sure. 
<laughs> that you have a job. Like even right now, we had a very successful first season of The Big Show Show on Netflix. And we're still waiting to hear. They're waiting. Uh, we have another episode coming out in August, which is very exciting. Um, but they're going to wait to for sure to get those numbers before they're, we find out if we get a season two. So I And I've honestly never been a part of a show. Yep. I've never been a part of a show that was such a big hit that we knew we'd have another season. So whenever we wrap, it almost feels like you have to say goodbye to everybody just in case, you know, after every season, um, because you don't know if you're coming back for another season. Um, so it really does keep you on your toes. And just because you do really well on, you have one show that's a hit, it doesn't necessarily make the next job come any easier. It used to drive my dad crazy. He said, you know, in my world, he was in like, he's a lobbyist, but he was like, in my world, your, your job, there's a ladder that you climb up and this job leads to the next job. And it's, it's so easy to, to see the progression of where your career goes. He's like, but in your job, you might be, you might be watching TV and seeing, seeing a, a sitcom that you love. And then a month later, the person that was starring in that sitcom is literally sitting next to you auditioning for the same role that you're going in for. He didn't understand why that happened that way. And I, I, I have to say it's, um, it's just adds to the uncertainty of this job. It's the one bummer about it. You know, did you always have thick skin? I don't know that I have thick skin now. Honestly, I've been working on it. Um, no, things get to me. Things really do hurt my feelings. Um, the thing that I feel like I do have a thick skin about is just being told no. And it almost gets to the point where I've made the mistake in the past and I'm, and I'm learning to, to do better with this at, you know, even at this stage of the game, I oftentimes, because you get told no so much and that's just part of the job, it doesn't really mean anything about you at all. I will, I'll get an, I'll get sent a script for something that they think I'm right for and they want to see me for it. And I will go through all the reasons in my head why I won't, why I won't get the job. And I think I'm doing that to protect myself for when I actually get the feedback that I'm not going to have the job. I, it's so weird, but that it, it messes up my audition because then I'll go in and think all those things, the reasons why I'm not right for the job and not going to get the job, which is so silly because if they want to see me and if they've sent me the script, that means I'm right for it. It's just a weird, it's a weird head game that, that actors, we kind of all play and it's not fun, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, that's just a, that's just a state of mind. You just have to psych yourself out of it. The worst is when you have to do screen tests in front of networks. That's very, very difficult because you are, you're, you, you have these scenes, you've rehearsed them, you, you've gone and auditioned with them, maybe had a callback. And then you're in a, like for Netflix example, you are in a, it's like a very small theater. It's maybe with two or three rows of raked, of raked seats. And it's almost like a screening room. It's probably where they do their screenings, but that's where you have auditions. So it's kind of like a theater. And oftentimes it's a lot of executives and they don't laugh. So like I said, you know, when I say I need to, I, I, I really feed off the audience. Well, when you're not getting those laughs, you feel like you're failing, even though they're not, they're just not laughing. That's not how the room is usually. Um, so those are incredibly nerve wracking. They, they always will be. I don't think I will ever be able to hit a place in my life where those won't be nerve wracking. Auditions now are not as scary to me as they were when I was younger, but that will always be scary to me. Would you ever consider coming back to Broadway? Yes. Yes. I think about it all the time. I've had opportunities at different points in my career to come and meet with this team or, Hey, they, they know your work and the show is interested in you. Can you fly in and meet with the creative team? 
And every time it has been right before I'm about to go and decide to do that, a show will get picked back up or I'll get on. Like, it just has never, the timing has never worked out. But let me tell you, when it, when those few weeks, when it looks like I might be flying to New York to do it, I am in a full on panic state because this is, it's a world I haven't been a part of in such a long time. And it's something that I miss so much. Um, but you know, the muscle memory, it's not there anymore. So I really do have to over rehearse for those kind of things. Do you keep your singing voice in shape, you know, even while you're doing your sitcoms? I just in my car. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best thing about traffic. I I don't mind traffic because I'm usually belting some show out at the top of my lungs. I'm sure I look insane. but (laughs) (laughs) I thought I saw you singing Love is an Open Door on YouTube. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the the show tune catalog is still pretty rich right Uh, now. Right. Is that with the, uh, is that with the puppet? Yeah, it was with the puppet. Yeah, I was, at first I was a bit, at first I was a bit confused, but you sounded great. So I couldn't really. (laughs) That was a, that was some puppet. Uh, I had a friend who was, he's a puppeteer and he asked me to do that with him. Um, Yeah, no, it's usually like, I'll, I'll do some from my, my go-tos from back in my Broadway days. Like I've, I'd love to sing through Sideshow. I always say, if I make Oprah-level money, I will hire somebody to stand around me at all times just to be like my, not even a personal assistant. This lady can do whatever she wants with her days, but she just needs to be available to me to sing the low parts of every, every um, duet that I want to do. That would be, that's what I would splurge on. Just a nice lady to sing the alto parts of every song. Basically like sideshow, any sort of double duet, female duet. Wicked. I'll take the top. She can take the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see you pulling off the Glinda thing. You've kind of got, yeah, I can totally I, see that. There was a, there was a time. There was a time when that was, that was maybe gonna happen, but it didn't. So. <laughs> well, that might be one of the first shows that opens up back on Broadway. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of... I feel of- like that shit may have sailed for me. I'm so sad about all these roles that used to be my go-to. Like, this is one day. Now I'm too old to play Little Red. Now I'm too <laughs> old to play Galinda. You know, I need, to, I need to now reassess the roles that I want to play because they're kind of stuck from when I was in my 20s. Overall, what do you think of the shows that have been opening up, uh, you know, on Broadway since you left New York? I have to say, I, I can't believe the caliber of talent. I feel like kids today are more talented. I, what is it? Are the training programs better? I, I know that when I was auditioning in my peer group, we were all sort of, you know, around at the same time in New York. I don't think we could do what the, what the cast of Mean Girls is doing. They blow my mind. They're absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different game than when I was, than when I was there. Um, but I, you know, I, I love shows that are a little darker. I love the band's visit. I loved that so much. I, I saw that. Um, I, I loved Mean Girls. Um, I love, you know, of course, Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton and all of the big splashy ones I love as well. But I'm just, I'm so impressed with the level of talent that's, that's on Broadway right now. There is a lot of great talent. You know, there is a lot of training as well, like you said. Um, what is it? Is it, are the, are the, the programs just more high octane. <laughs> and you know what it is too? There's so much competition now because there's so many uh, platforms which you can highlight yourself on. You always kind of have your eye on what else is out there and it allows you to raise their game, which can be a great thing because it's only going to bring out the best in people uh, who deserve That's to be really there. That's a really good point. There's access. There's access to a lot more. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I do hope eventually that, uh, you know, we do get you back onto Broadway, Allison, and, um, 
you know, listen, you know, to kind of welcome you back into the Broadway community, if that were to ever happen, we do one little segment here to uh, wrap every show on Break of Bad. It's called Fastball Derby, kind of like uh, the ninth inning. There's two outs, runners on first and second. And uh, do you know who Araldus Chapman is by any chance? I am so sorry. Uh, I do not. You're not alone. He's the closer for the Yankees, but he holds the record for fastest <laughs> fastball. So think of it like Araldus Chapman is on the mound throwing 105 miles okay. an hour. You got to think Ooh. quick. Um, we'll ask you a question and you say the first thing that comes to your head. Okay, great. I'm ready. All right. Favorite New York city meal. Bagel, uh, sesame seed bagel with cream cheese. Just the regular cream cheese. You get the locks or the olives in there. I like that. I like that regular cream cheese. I, something about the sesame seed, super, super toasty favorite New York city meal. Love that. All time favorite film. All time favorite film. Waiting for Guffman. If you, I love that. I love that movie so much. Bad confession. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's so good. You have to see it. I, side note, I saw this when it first came out. There was a theater in the 50s. I feel like it was $3 for a ticket. It was like a $3 movie ticket in the theater. And I went on a Monday night and all it was all full of Broadway performers because we all had Monday nights off. And we watched Waiting for Guffman in the theater and it's about you know a community a community putting on a show and i just felt it was probably the most exhilarating movie experience i've had because i'm sitting around all of these broadway performers and we're watching sort of an in the cut movie about kind of like our business um and it was a really that was probably the most fun electrifying audience experience that i've had at a movie ever. I, and I've, I watched that movie hundreds of times since. I love that answer because so much, you know, even for me, you know, sometimes people ask you like what my favorite musical is. Sometimes it's like the experience that you had going to the show that like leaves, you know, like an extra special taste in your mouth where even if it wasn't nominated for a Tony, you could love disaster on Broadway because you went to Tony Dinopolis with your buddies afterward, like stuff like that is what stands <laughs> right, out exactly. to me, you know? <laughs> right. I did. I also saw Disaster on Broadway, but that wasn't my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite night on Broadway. I'll I'll, I'll clarify okay. just for my audience because okay. I don't think that story right. has ever come up. But uh, yes, that did happen. Chris Katzman was there, our creative consultant, and uh, you'll hear that story another time. What a meal, though, huh? Oh, it was the best. Fried calamari, raviata <laughs> sauce. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You're speaking my language. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best example of an Allison Munn performance. And if you want to, you know, throw my favorite line and, you know, your career out there as part of it, you know, you can certainly do that. <laughs> um, I have two favorite lines from my career. One was Louisa. It's the very first time you meet her. She runs on like this whirling dervish and she says, the music stops. There's a bright spotlight in her face. And she says, the moon turns red on my birthday every year and it always will until so let me try it again. She says, the moon turns red on my birthday and it always sorry. The moon turns red on my birthday every year and it always will until somebody saves me and takes me away to a castle or something like that. It's just the most random, insane little tiny piece of dialogue that lets you know exactly who this girl is. And then <laughs> and then um in that 70s show, Caroline says to Fez, I think he breaks up with her. Oh, yeah. He breaks up with her. And I am, Caroline is so offended. 
she is not to be broken up with. And she's like, you're breaking up with me. And he's like, is that okay? And I say, Fez, I just want you to know that I'll be seeing you. And not that I'll be seeing you because I'll be watching you, but you won't know it, but I'll know it. Or it was some back and forth, crazy town, completely chilling line. And it's this perfect line where she turns, she spins, she walks out the door and Fez is just left like shivering. Yeah. Fez, I just want you to know that I'll be seeing you, but you won't know it, but I'll be watching you, but you will know it. This is it. Over, <laughs> and I slam the door, and I walk out, and he is terrified for because he's still looking over his shoulder. I love that one. That is so good. That is my favorite. That's my favorite Allison Mum performance, which is Caroline. So just for Same. the folks at home, I love that so much. Same. I love that show so much. I mean, come on, you don't get you don't get better than getting to play crazy. It just doesn't get better than that. Love that. <laughs> If you could star in one recent Broadway show, let's exclude Wicked for a moment. What would it be? Does it have to be a show that I am actually right for the character? <laughs> no, there's no rules in Fastball Derby, so it doesn't have to be. Okay, great. Perfect. I think I would make an excellent Eliza in Hamilton. Okay. And I would like- Only in my mind. Only in my mind. Only in my car. <laughs> I would be terrible. There are so many more talented women that should play this role. But in my mind, in my dream, yes. Actually, I'd also really love to play Galinda, but that's not currently on Broadway. Is that currently on Broadway? It is currently on Broadway, but I'm too old for that. I would love to play, like I said, Little Red. Um, but I'm way too old for that. (laughs) I always I always like lament. I always lament the roles that I'm too old for. I, I feel like I really missed the boat. I would have been in, cause I looked so young for so long. I looked like a baby until I was about 30, like super, super young. I think I would have been really good on to catch a predator. I wanted to be like the girl that cats. It's like, okay, just have a margarita. I'm going to be upstairs really fast. My mom and dad are gone for the day. <laughs> and then Chris Hansen comes in and he's like, what are you doing here? I would have been the best bait. Cause I would have been 30, but I looked, 14. Oh, it would have been so good. I really, really wish that's the one that got away from me, but that's a TV. Role. Oh. So I know that's not technically the question, <laughs> but I wanted to be the bait on To Catch a Predator. That is so good, honestly. That's honestly, <laughs> that would have been better than Glinda, honestly. If I would have gotten to see <laughs> Allison Mudd on Catch a Predator, and then with the guy, and I could be the guy that comes in afterward, like, please, why don't you sit down? What do you think? Like, that yeah. would be good. I'm Chris Hansen. Yeah, I'll take Chris Hansen. Hey, sorry. Have a margarita. It's in the pitcher. I'm going to go upstairs really fast and get the laundry. I'll be right back down. <laughs> so good. Right? That show is incredible because they, they've been doing the same thing for years. And these these freaks and morons and creeps have still not caught on as to like the sequence oh that happens. Like, are you kidding? It's the exact same episode every time. <laughs> and I have, I've watched every one like 10 times each. I love that show. <laughs> it's an incredible show. It's the one that got away. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? Most embarrassing on stage or on set moment? Oh, this one's kind of gross, though. I I just had a child, <laughs> and um, I started leaking onto my shirt during a scene with breast milk. 
And it was totally gross. And they had to cut the scene and the audience laughed and the lady had to bring me new wardrobe. And that is, I was mortified. <laughs> that, that's a, that's oh, also, if that one's too gross for you, we can, um, <laughs> we can edit in this. Okay. Um, we do have a big like I, uh, uh, female audience base. We actually have a lot of baseball moms who listen to the show, so I'm sure it's pretty relatable for a lot of them. Well, so. it is totally relatable, but for somebody who hasn't gone through it, it's totally gross. But for somebody who has gone through it, it's like oh, it's just one more thing, crazy thing that happens to my body that I cannot explain, and I can't really apologize for because it's you know, it's a body. <laughs> but um, the other time. I think it was on what I like about you. We were in front of a full audience and I was, I think my character Tina was in the middle of a rant and I was, <laughs> I was screaming at someone inhaled a hair or a bug or something. And then just went into a crazy coughing fit and almost vomited. And the audience would not stop laughing. And then my feelings were hurt because I was like, I'm choking here. Does anyone not see this? And I had a really hard time and they kept thinking it was funny. And the producers loved that it was getting laughs and they didn't cut. And I was actually like, I couldn't get breath or air. And then I think it made it into a blooper reel. <laughs> it then became funny later. And it was made into, it was edited into a blooper reel at the end of the season that they gave out to the cast. Actor or actress you've learned the most from? Well, like I said, I, I really do steal from everyone. I mean, lovingly tributed steal from, you know, everyone I work with. I'm always, always learning. Um, it's crazy. I learn from actresses and I learn from my own characters. That I play the characters teach me different things, but I would say I got to do a pilot with Henry Winkler. He played my dad and he was just so calm, wise, kind, and, um, nurturing. And I feel like I learned a lot about acting, but also how to be just a good person from him. And lastly, best piece of advice anyone ever gave you and what was it? You know, this one feels like it's boring and everyone knows it, but it really, I live my life by this. It's just the golden rule to treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, and I feel like it makes you be a better person, but also people can be monsters in this business. The career can just get to their heads. And if you keep yourself grounded and you treat every single person the way you want to be treated from the showrunner, director, producer, to, you know, craft service, to whoever cleans your trailers or to who is delivering a script or you, you have to treat everyone the way you want to be treated. And if you do that, people will want to work with you again and again. So it, it makes you a better person, yes, but it also really helps you in your career. Just be nice. People want to hire people they want to hang out with. You know? Because you're stuck together, like on a TV show, we're stuck together all day, every day, and sometimes for four or five years if we're lucky. It needs to work. You can't have crazy. I've been around crazy. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. And um, Allison, I cannot... Thank you enough for coming on. This really was awesome. Um, it, it, you know, I hope when we're on the other end of this thing, you can come back and visit us in the studio because I'd love to chat again sometime. I want to do it in person. I really want to come in in person. So let's let's make that happen. Um, thank you for bearing with me, not knowing anything about sports.
Um, I really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And thank you to your audience, your sports audience that are, they're still listening. I really appreciate that too. Well, I'm sure that a lot of our baseball moms with the absence of, you know, a full baseball season are going to want to tune into the big show show anyway on Netflix. So I think that this is uh, right up their alley. Please do big show show Netflix. It's a super cute show. It's uh we have, we have a lot of fun together and it's, um, it's just a real, it's one of those, it's one of the few shows that you like, can actually sit down with your whole family and watch it together. And there's something for everybody. It's not just geared towards the kids. They have adult storylines and kids storylines. And I feel like it meshes pretty well. You could watch that. I highly encourage it. Or you could watch, you know, you know, eight or nine episodes of season three of that 70s show and <laughs> enjoy that too. Like I happen to be doing so, um, Allison, thank you again. I appreciate you coming on. That'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. This is Al Malafronte signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, this is Will Friedle. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood.